This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucas. All right, welcome to another episode of On the Record. I'm your host, Ashton Luxusis, and today we have in the house very special guests, Chris Nine and Eve Rodriguez from the band Manhole. And I was very inspired to interview these wonderful women because uh, they're a bunch of really kick-ass punk rocker chicks, and I got my start back in music in 1983 playing drums in a punk band out of the San Francisco Bay Area called private outrage and so punks always kind of resonated with me that whole um let's change the world let's talk about things that nobody wants to talk about and expose it and show it for what it is and and try to make the world a better place and i just kind of love that that whole i don't even know vibe whatever it is that that's in that it's just awesome and so um without further ado let's introduce Eve and Chris from Manhole. How y'all doing, ladies? Hi. Doing Hi, great. thanks for having us. Yeah, it's going to be a great interview. So um, tell us a little bit about either one of you. Um, tell us a little bit about Manhole and how it all came together. Well, originally, um, I guess, um, because Chris didn't come into the Manhole picture told maybe just a few months after we formed, but Allison and I um, used to go see a band called Dixie Waste at this hole in the wall called the Pick and Pack uh, back in Houston. It was an ice house. Um, and so we we both used to go there, but we didn't know each other at the time. And there were a couple other girls that would hang out there, and they knew I was I was actually managing a few punk rock bands and that I played uh, bass at the time. And um, so they're they're like, hey, man, we're starting this new band. You know, we need a bass player. Do you want to come and jam with us? And so I said, yeah. And so we got together and we started to write some songs, and we really didn't have much direction, And um, but we really wanted to find a singer, you know, to sort of like, uh, really round out the band, and uh, the singer for Dixie Waste, his name uh, is Damon O'Bannon, um, knew Allison. So uh, he, like, came over to Manhole's rehearsal one day, and he said, hey, I've got a friend of mine uh, that just got here from Florida, and she's looking for um, a band to join, and she's a singer. You know, I think she'd be a great fit. So we said, yeah, we'll just bring her over and uh, and we'll check her out. And Allison came, walked in, and just, like, sat down and started writing lyrics right away to our music. And it just, like, fit, you know, she just fit like a glove. Um, eventually, I think with Allison in the band, it started to sort of, tr- you know, get more of a harder edge. And um, and for some reason, the other two girls ended up leaving the band, and Allison and I were together, and we found a drummer. I, I don't even remember who it was at the time. We went through so many drummers and started <laughs> playing with them. 
went through a few bass players, but then the same thing happened with Chris, uh, a friend of ours named uh, Matt. I, I don't remember his last name. What's his last name? Um, Pinkerton. His? Yeah, Pinkerton. Yeah, I remember because of the... Yeah. Actually, yeah, go ahead. Chris, should, Chris should just take it from here because she she knows. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, a friend of mine who was a drummer um, named Matt Pinkerton. I used to go over and hang out with him, and he introduced me to all this wonderful like music. I was more of a uh, not mainstream sort of underground, but I was more of a folky. Would you believe? And <laughs> I played in bluegrass bands and all kinds of stuff. Uh, in my high school years and then uh but this but matt like listened to lots of pixies and ian the stooges and um just i I opened my eyes to a lot of music and one time we were over there and we were listening to some i think it was trench mouth and um he said that he had some friends that were starting a band and uh needed a bass player and that they'd been around a little while but um we're kind of doing a new thing and so i was like huh I could learn how to play bass. I was previously playing guitar and piano and mandolin and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, I could do bass. So I um, I, I uh, did us, and I think I sat down with like, a couple of records. Uh, I think it was like Helmet and like Soundgarden's first album and some other stuff and taught myself how to play bass uh, and nice. then came and auditioned. And uh, I, I guess it worked, Eve, huh? Yeah, I guess I guess it did. I guess it did. Yeah, because when we when we lost the other two members, you know, I just said I better just teach myself how to play guitar because for some reason there seemed to be uh, a lot of bass players, although they weren't really sticking around. So I switched to I started playing guitar, and then we played with a few bass players, and then that's when Chris, you know, joined us, and she just fit in perfectly because. You know, I I wasn't a, a huge punk rocker myself either. I loved the energy. You know, I had listened to some punk bands growing up, but um, you know, I was more of you know I liked metal and rock. You know, like really heavy prog uh, at the time. So, um, but you know, hanging out at the Pick and Pack and the Axiom that started to sort of expose me to more and more of the that which was back then the underground alternative scene, which, you know, I, I don't really think exists anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, so that's pretty much. Um, and then we just went on from there. We just, um, then we found uh, Dee LaVon, who ended up um, playing drums for us, and really um, she was with us for quite a while, and, and Beth Schaefer also. So they both recorded with us, and Lisa Harrington, who's an amazing drummer as well. Um, Lisa filled in for a short time. The other two, Dee and uh, Dee LaVon and Beth Schaefer, um, actually um, stuck around for a couple years, um, I think, uh, each one of them. And um, so we, um, you know, so we, uh, you know, we actually had a, a really full, you know, decent run with these two young ladies as well. Nice. Now, what's the significance behind the name Manhole? I mean, because usually punk rock bands, everything's got a meaning to it. Was there anything specific that, you know, you decided to call the band Manhole? I think at the time there were so many 
uh, <laughs> there were so many bands like Tool and Helmet, and we, you know, we wanted something that was, I guess, that identified with that genre of music because, it, I mean, it wasn't uh, in the beginning. It was a little more punk, but it started to get get more of a hardcore edge, or we did, you know, as we went along. And yeah. um, so we really wanted something to identify with that, but we also wanted something to sort of, um, you know, identify with the gender, you know, in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, and um, and in in some ways also, you know, there's this saying that a woman makes a man whole, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's sort of, sort of a a play on that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, we, you know, and I, I think it was just a combination of all that, um, that made yeah. us decide to, to go with that name. Yeah. That's really cool, Eve. I, I, I had never heard the woman to make a manhole, um, line before. That's really neat. Cause I, of course, took it more as the, the, um, the sexual nature, but then you've got <laughs> a... That's yeah, what I was thinking. Was, I'm like, well, I must have a dirty mind because I was thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, well, think about it. How, how badass is it that there's a an all woman band named Manhole who sings political, kind of in your face, tough chick, hardcore punk rock metal. You know, you know. I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of like a kick in the kick in the face. You know, um, yeah. yeah, Manhole. That's all we are. No. <laughs> awesome. I I actually had to explain our the meaning behind our name to a court in Seattle oh, wow. when we went to when we when we went to a battle um with you know for our trademark um for there was a trademark infringement on our name so um wow. it was it was kind of weird when um when you know, because actually we were going up against a uh, a website, and it was um, it was a gay website called Manhole. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> awesome. So, yes, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, we you know they uh, I guess the opposing uh, counsel came over and, and asked me what was the meaning behind our name and why we chose it. You know, thinking, and the judge just like perked up. She was a tough lady too. I loved her. She was sort of like a Judge Judy kind of chick. You know, (laughs) very, very, very scrappy. (laughs) So she just kind of like perked up and listened in, and um, and then I just told them. And I guess it wasn't the the answer they expected, and so, (laughs) but. (laughs) Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, Rockstar, you know you've got a great big juicy destiny out there, but you also know that in order to get it, you're gonna have to sell out. No, you can totally rock out and brand yourself with full integrity. Dream on! Success equals selling out. You're talking about a whole new branding paradigm that doesn't even exist. Sure it does. It's called soul branding. Soul branding? What? Soul branding is you in all your glory. Rock your purpose, be paid for your passion. No way. Way. So where do I get a soul brand? Here at Cogflower Creative, soul branding is our thing. We'll help you find your authentic soul brand. How? 
Go to cogflowercreative.com slash on the record to learn more about soul branding and get $500 off your soul brand package. Crikey, I'm in. All right. So what are you going to do with your soul brand? I'm a sellout baby with passion. <laughs> don't listen to this guy, friends. You don't have to sell out to play full out. Brand with soul and shine your life. Cogflower Creative. Shine on. Hi, this is Ashton Luxlusis host of On The Record on the EWN Radio Network. With aligning with North America's number one resource for connecting and promoting women in business positively influence your business profile and success? Does the idea of positioning your product or service as champion of an exceptional international online platform tailored to women in business sound lucrative? Do you want collaborations with high-caliber, like-minded, like-hearted women in business? On the Record sponsorship opportunities will provide you with just that and more. Over half a million women business owners and corporate professionals connected, 1,500-plus women's business events yearly, and the largest four-day international conference produced annually. Over a quarter million monthly listeners are eager to learn about your business. Call Tammy Markham at 512-914-3952. That's 512-914-3952 to secure your sponsorship spots today. And we're back on the record. How did the interest in music come about for both of you? I got, I begged, begged for my first guitar when I was 15. Um, And I had been playing around on piano, just kind of at home. I had taught myself how to play. And I had really, at the time, I, what year is this? Like '84, something like that. Um, gotten into early U2, um, and I was like playing these little piano lines. I'm like, I want to learn how to play guitar. I'm just like, I was determined, and um, so I got my first guitar and, and taught myself how to play, um, kind of using a Beatles songbook. It's <laughs> not very cool. This is not a cool story. Um, and, and so from there. Uh, I, I, you know, wrote a bunch of like uh, acoustic folky tunes and, and had a friend that, you know, we play, it was before the Indigo Girls, but they came out shortly after and we were, they, we were like really pissed at them because they stole our stick, right? Because we were 15 <laughs> in high school and uh, they knew all about us, I'm sure. Um, so from there, <laughs> from there I got into like playing mandolin and some other stuff um, and it was really more of a... I guess the driving factor behind wanting to play music for me was it as in retrospect, I know what it is. It is the fact that I wanted to prove that I could, um, because I didn't know any other female musicians. I was just like, I can do this. It was almost like, um, math to me. It's like math was so hard. Um, but it's just like, Oh, I can do this. I can challenge myself and, and, and do it. And then when I, uh, went on through college I studied voice classical so I was thinking opera and teaching and instruction and then all of that sort of stuff so I started teaching going through that route and then I went through jazz bands and then I kind of told you how we connected the the dots back to punk rock and you know and certainly in high school I went through my new wave and my punk stage where I, I you know listened to minor threat and suicidal tendencies and that stuff too um, and I just love the way, looking back now, kind of how I went all the way around to kind of figure out, okay, yes, I can play these things, 
and now I'm just going to play whatever the hell I want, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad I landed here. Um, so that's kind of my deal. What about you, Eve? Um, with me, it was sort of, it was sort of the same thing, trying, I guess, sort of, uh, there, there was something I needed to prove, but for me, it was more, um, watching my mother who is a musician, uh, my mom is, um, you know, both my parents are Mexican American, um, but my, my mom, um, my mom's dad migrated from Mexico, uh, and my mom is uh, into Texas. And then my, um, how would I say, my mom didn't go to school or anything. You know, my grandfather was a, a preacher man. He was one of those guys who went door to door with his Bible, preaching the gospel um, all over, you know, uh, down the south end of Texas, you know, and bordering into Mexico. And um, so he, and he had all these children, <laughs> and and um, all the boys learned to play an instrument. And my mom, you know, would sneak into the church in the middle of the night and would, like, try to teach herself piano or whatever. She was the only female in that family that actually ended up playing music. Um, but somehow it was sort of frowned upon, you know, for her, you know, especially like that's the 1940s and 50s when my mom was doing this. Um, so, um, but she loved music. And so I grew up listening to her play all the time, but it was one of those things that, um, I don't know. I don't know if she was like sort of ashamed to do it sometimes or ashamed that she had the talent to, to do it. But I would watch her, you know, like, when my dad would go to work, she would pull out her guitar and she would play her guitar uh, and record it with one little tape recorder. And then she would play that tape recorder and then like do like the second voice or the second guitar part and record herself doing that. So I grew up watching her do this and, um, and she loved everything from old gospel to um, all the country music, like Tammy Wynette, even though um, she was religious um, and it was probably something she shouldn't be listening to. But um, she was a huge fan of the Carter family and Johnny Cash. So, um, And she married this sort of rebellious guy who loved, um, you know, psychedelic music, like, Carlos Santana, Iron Butterfly, Jimi Hendrix. And that was what my dad was listening to, even though, um, you know, he wasn't a musician, but he really enjoyed that music. And then throw all the Mexican music into that as well. So I've got all this stuff that I'm growing up with listening to, and all my cousins who were male would come over and stay with us during the summer and they would bring an instrument over and um, you know my mom would take me to piano lessons so I could learn how to play piano and I was doing okay on that but I was like I don't want to play piano I want to play drums you know so um, so I would play a little bit of drums and a little bit of guitar and a little bit of bass and then I said you know I just have to get focused here so by the time I was maybe around 14 or 15, I started playing bass more and more. 
And, um, and I, you know, I was listening to everything from um, all the music that I grew up with to Motown, and, um, and then I really got into uh, bands like Yes and Rush, and um, and then you know eventually ended up listening to the Ramones and Sex Pistols and it just you know um, carried on over. Uh, I I I was a y- very young mom, so um, I had to put music aside to raise my child. But then when I was in my um, I was going to say I guess my mid or late twenties, I started playing music again. Um, and then eventually that's how I found Manhole. Wow. Awesome stories. <laughs> that's great. Um, you had mentioned, you know, coming over being minority families and all that, and you guys have written a song, State of Emergency, which kind of, um, you were saying originally it was written for the Rodney Allen King beatings back in L.A. in 1993, and then you had mentioned that, you know, here we are, you know, what now 30 years later something like that and yeah you know, minorities are still facing the same problem does that song still kind of resonate for you now with the, with a different view you know it's i still i still feel it's always been one of uh my favorite songs to perform just because yeah just because it's so chaotic and ugly and beautiful at the same time. And um, we've been doing rehearsals independent of each other, of course, because I'm here in New York and the girls are down in Texas. But um, that is one of the songs that actually, because we have a drummer, a new drummer that we're breaking in for this show. And we, um, and it was one of the songs that we played last weekend and and I got still got all like teary eyed and emotional you know uh playing that song because it just uh nothing has changed I mean it's un- unfortunate that you know with the Black Lives Matter movement you know here we are we're still you know I mean we're still back to that you know nothing has changed since Rodney King, you know, and here these people are dying in their cells because they are either being beaten or they're being neglected or whatever because they were incarcerated for all the wrong reasons, and nothing has changed. If anything, I almost feel like things have gotten worse, you know. I Maybe agree. there's more, more, more exposure, you know, but it still makes you angry, and uh, and this this whole refugee crisis and people don't like to you know I mean there's a lot of talk about Mexican people coming into this country but you know they're also refugees there's so much you know crime and just really some horrible things that are happening in that country that people are trying to escape it's just a matter of survival for them get here and um, you know, the way the Mexican cartel has, like, taken over Mexico where, it, I mean, there's, like, a Mexican standoff against the government and the cartel is the one that's winning. And how can we not believe that that's not going to affect us at some point? You know, they're starting to, 
it's starting to really affect all the border towns in, in, you know, in this country, but yet no one's really focusing on how we can fix that. They're more, they're more interested in trying to keep the people who are trying to escape this type of danger in their own country. They're more focused in on keeping them out than they are on trying to focus in on the problem. So nothing has changed. If anything, thanks to social media, it just seems like it's gotten worse, you know.
I think as women, we always tend to try to fix everything and maybe take on more than we than we should. Um, but I know I get emotional over those issues, and I think that's why I feel so passionate about being in this band because I'm in the band with two other women who feel the same. Yeah. Yeah, and you can bring about change through your music. Yeah. 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 We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at ewomennetwork.com. That's managingdirector at ewomennetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. And we're back on the record. What was it like back in the the 90s to be an all-girl band? And what are some things that you had to deal with? So I guess, you know, a lot of it is, is in the music, um, you know, frustrations with, um, you know, inequality, um, you know, polit- what's going on politically, uh, et cetera. But you know, on a personal level, um, which I also think is reflected in the music, things like, you know, it's just like we're we're women, we can do this too as good or better than you. And <laughs> I think, you know, it's, 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 uh, back then there were only a few, uh, bands in Houston at the time that had women in them. And, uh, now, nowadays, uh, you know, I live here in Austin now, um, there's, they're everywhere and it's a wonderful feeling. There, there are organizations like girls rock camp who start, um, you know, t- training in, when, girls as young as seven years old that they can do it, they can play. And it was such a struggle back then to kind of to be recognized not only as, um, you know, a woman musician, but a musician, you know. Um, uh, I remember so many times being being so complimented on, oh, wow, you're really good for a girl. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, you could just drop those last two. That'd be great. And you know, it's, that 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 still happens today. Um, I still yeah. get it occasionally, um, but not as often. And uh, I think similar to what you you guys were talking about with um, state of emergency and how the uh, you know thing it feels like things aren't have not changed. Um, there are aspects of that in the music world for women too. I think um, there's still some inequality and 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 you know the different waves of feminism that we've had. Um, you know, with the third wave was really going on 
when we were uh, out there, but uh, you, you know, with the riot girl movement, although I don't think we were necessarily a part of that, I saw it going on. I think we were were separated, and I know Eve, if you want to talk a little bit about that, um, maybe that's a good segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I know we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, off, you know, um, offline, but. You know, at the time when when Manhole was together, we, you know, we were really just out there trying to prove to our, you know, um, we were we were trying to write really, you know, good music that that we were passionate and proud of, but at the same time, you know, we also, um, I I know we spent hours and hours on end and uh, in our rehearsal studio just trying to perfect a change or, you know, and, and there were time changes and things like that that we were just trying to do. And um, and I think that at, at the time we were so focused in on our music that um, we, we were really not influenced by the Riot Girl movement, although a lot of people pegged us as that or being a, a part of that because of the lyrics because our music was very passionate and involved politics and feminism. And I, I remember someone even called us feminazis. I mean, you know, um, which was, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, and, and, and why, why peg us is as that because we're passionate when, you know, if I was some dude, um, out there singing about my what's in my pants, you know, would they call me, you know, Dick Nazi? You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know. Um, so there in itself, we were writing music. We weren't part of the Riot Girl movement, but the Riot Girl movement was definitely going on around us, and we were just trying to write music and and um and just be a band that would be respected in the scene and i think a lot of times we just decided um i think that we there were a couple times we just rented the venue or whatever in the beginning we did lots of crazy stuff to just sort of get our name out there and then um and then one of the things that we were very passionate about were you know exposing all these other bands um uh that probably didn't have that great of a draw, but they, we felt were very talented. So we, um, you know, we had them on some of our shows. But um, getting back to the the whole, you know, movement back then, there weren't that many bands. There weren't that many girl bands that were around during our time. And I think that the thing that separated Manhole um, from those few bands were... were that they wanted to focus more on, hey, we're girls and we're girly girls and we're sexy and whatever. And we were like, we just want to play some heavy, you know, mm-hmm. stuff and in your face and, and let you know how passionate we are about what's going on in the world and how much, how disgusted we are about what's going on. And, you know, we just want to write music we're proud of. Like we weren't, preoccupied with that. So um, I guess on purpose we tried not to play with any female bands because we we just wanted to stand out on our own, male or female. We just wanted to do that. And um, the thing that 
looking back at all that now, uh, now, you know, Chris and I were having this conversation where we're playing with girls who are in their 20s, you know, these kids in their 20s. And um, I have found, because I'm in another band called Sister Munch here in Brooklyn, and these girls are 26 and 28 years old. And um, and the scene here, there's like a, a post-Riot girl scene, and it's so different from when Chris and I were in Manhole um, because there's so much love and acceptance in this scene, and they were like, wow, you were in Manhole, you were part of the whole Riot Girl thing, and we just like, you know, like they look up to that movement, you know, and they, in their head, I guess they romanticize how it must have been so cool to be part of that, you know, and Mm -hmm. where we were sort of oblivious to that because we were just busy just trying to make it on our own, but this gen- I I feel like, you know, um, Chris mentioned getting warm and fuzzy, you know, around these kids because I, I feel like that with the girls and Sister Munch because there's so much love. And even with the bands that um, are in the scene, um, uh, you know, here in Brooklyn that are post-Riot Girl, there's so much love and acceptance and piggybacking off each other, like, hey, come play with this show with us, and hey, you know, um, and they, you know, all go to each other's shows, and they're really supportive and loving, and there's no, you know, uh, demonizing of each other or or backstabbing or any of that or catfighting within any of that. There's just so much love and acceptance, and so... I think that is a really great way or great thing to see how that has changed, you know, thanks it has. to, you know, yeah, thanks to bands like Slater Kimmy and, and, you know, Bikini Kill and all these bands, they sort of influenced these younger girls. And, you know, even though, like I said, I, I just, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to like, um, I don't want to dirt or cloud up their feeling of, of, of how the times were back then. You know, I just say, yeah, it was cool. You know, it was cool playing music back then. <laughs> yeah, we played with Babes in Toyland and we, you know, opened for L7 and, you know, and, uh, you know, so it's, you know, it's it's kind of cool to see how that has changed. But in other aspects, being a female musician or entertainer in, in the world, it it hasn't, you know. I think if you're a female musician, you're still expected to have some sort of appeal to be attractive and youthful mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, yeah. in order to be. That, yeah, that, I was, that was, was going to ask you guys about that. Like the whole, like, you know, the pop music industry, it's all about, you know, if you're 21, you're a has-been. If you're a female and, you know, if you don't have at least a C cup and, you know, look like you should be in Playboy, then we have no interest in you. No, it doesn't matter. Oh, you can't sing? That's okay. You look great. You know, we'll just you know, we'll vocal tune you in, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 that, that definitely still exists, but it's so wow. promising to see some of these artists uh, coming up that where that isn't the case. And they're yeah. getting, uh, you know, big attention. Um, like that, what the band Alabama Shakes for example, is getting a whole lot of attention. Um, they and, are phenomenal. I love that band. They're yeah. incredible. And, I mean, even even someone like Adele, 
who, you know, mm-hmm. is is a, a bigger girl, but she is so immensely talented, and that's where the focus is. But she still gets those questions about mm-hmm. about her looks, et cetera. And, um, you know, it, it's nice to see that being talked about more often. Um, but, um, Eve, I thought that was – I agree with you completely about the the – the love and the support that is out there now, uh, just mm-hmm. in so many, I, I made me reflect a little bit. I have a, I have a six year old daughter and she's already showing a, a, a definite interest in music. And of course she's growing up in a musical household. We have instruments all over the house and she's just, I love watching her kind of, uh, absorb it naturally and just kind of ooze it back out. Uh, but I, I think about, uh, like, what is her world going to be like having, knowing that there is this equality that is true and um, music just, it, it's, she's not facing the same struggles that we did. And I, I think that's just going to be really beautiful to see um, what she does with it and, and what is possible. So, I just got real warm and fuzzy right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and also I, I think the the beautiful thing about that crisis that she had and her dad to help her through that as to where when you and I were growing up, maybe, um, you know, that wasn't as prevalent. You know, our, our parents weren't that involved in our musical growth, even though my mom was definitely a huge inspiration but um, but now there's you know with with us I mean I know uh, I also I feel the same way about my son my son is um, 34 years old and he's a musician as well and I love to see him perform it's just like one of those things and he'll call me and ask me mom I've got this change going on this song you know I'm gonna play it for you what do you think what do you think of the timing on this um, I think it's great that. We we have learned so much, or Chris and I have, from, you know, the, some of the things that we've had to deal with that we're better prepared as parents to help our children, you know, make that transition. And especially for Chris, who has a little girl, um, entering into what was, at least for us, male-dominated, you know, uh, music industry, um, she's going to be a lot better equipped to to help her through that. That's awesome that they're going to have your support as well, you know, Um, because not a lot of people going into music get the support of their parents, you know. It's like, oh, well, that's a nice hobby, you know, but uh, you want to have that that thing to fall back on because, you know, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than you do, you know, making it. So um, to to be encouraging and and to, you know, not – get into that world of limitation and lack and scarcity and all that. And you can do anything you want to do. You just got to put your mind to it and do it. And, and that's great that they're going to have your support behind them to do that, you know? And, and, and you know, that's, that's just much more prevalent now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in the position that I am, but I have to give another shout out to the girls rock camp movement across the nation mm-hmm. um, involved with the, the, chapter here in Austin and uh I do some teaching uh occasionally with them and and just seeing these girls young girls 
just not even coming in with no knowledge of any instrument whatsoever, and within a week being able to uh, to they've written a, an original song and are playing it on their instrument in front of a mm-hmm. crowd of people in a club. I mean, nice. oh, just you know, and when I watch them, um, it's my heart just soars thinking, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, what could I have done if I had had this when I was a kid? You know, if had had that opportunity. So, um, if you don't already support that, um, that's a that's a great group to get involved with in your town. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. So let's talk, we're kind of going into the future, I guess, now, because we're talking about kids and, and, and all that. Um, you have a song called Death March that's about, you know, how humans are disrespecting the earth and, and actually other humans and we're kind of a really destructive species, but that's not the way we're actually built. Um, tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that. Gosh, that's that's probably well, Chris. You wrote the baseline for. I think I think Chris actually started that whole song uh, with her baseline, and I think um, you know uh, we just sort of wrote music around that, but um, I don't know, Chris, if if you remember way back then. <laughs> yeah, the the bass line, uh, I do remember uh, in wanting the tempo to be marchy and, um, and, and, and just having that general feel, I think the theme came from the music, um, whereas uh, in many cases, our songs are, are more lyrically driven, I think. Um, and as far as the lyrics go, I, I, I remember being a part of uh, deciding what some of the chanting was going to be. You know, like our, our, call, our call, our call and response. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, on that, and it sounds cheesy, but it's it sounds really cool in in, in the actual song. Um, but well, you, well lyrically, I also, go ahead. Yes, I also remember Chris because we spent hours upon hours in the manhole van, and I think a huge inspiration was the fact that we were like numbingly listening to Neurosis for hours <laughs> on end. Who, 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 who's like every song was about the destruction of the earth, and uh, <laughs> and I think that was we were like. 
yeah, that's what we're going to write about next. But we, you know, we, we are, you know, like I said, we, we're a very conscious group of women who really do care about those issues as well. But I think more than anything, that was just inspired from Chris's baseline and hours on end of neurosis and sort of brainwashing us to sort of like follow you know, suit and, and write something about that. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, um, I live right on the Hudson River. I, um, it's, it's a beautiful, one of the most beautiful places, I think, you know, to be. Um, right, right across my bedroom window is the Hudson River, and then you see all the mountains, uh, the edge of the mountains here in um, that go over into New Jersey. Um, it's one of the most beautiful places to to just observe, but unfortunately, it's so contaminated with, you know, um, it's just so toxic that mm. I've heard stories of people kayaking through the Hudson and who have gotten wet and whose skin has, like, peeled off. Oh from my God. some of the water. And so it's really, uh, you know, you know, I really do care about this world and the earth, and it's one of those things that I feel very passionate about. And so that song has definitely taken on even more of, a, you know, deeper meaning, at least without, within me in, in just, you know, uh, the way, you know, the way the world is just sort of, you know, we're all a lot more conscious now and trying to do what we can to preserve what we have, but is it too late? You know, uh, <laughs> I heard the other day um, I was at work and I was listening to this woman, 101 Reasons Why She Won't Recycle, and one of them oh, was geez. like, I don't want to spend time rent out the cans or the bottles. I've got too many other things to do. And I'm like, wow. what? What? <laughs> you oh, know? my God. <laughs> uh, so I just had to shake my head. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, ladies, we are nearing the end, and I always like to give time for uh, our guests to give some final words of wisdom. So if y'all would like to share a little snippet of some whatever you feel inspired to share, (laughs) please go for it. Chris, I'll let you go first. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Um, (laughs) Well, let's just say, uh, let's see, words of wisdom. Um, If uh, someone out there is unsure whether they can take on a new instrument or, uh, or write music, um, I'd say just do it. I mean, that sounds so cheesy, but um, anything is possible. You're not too old. Um, you know, I think I've seen, you know, so many uh, friends uh, and colleagues and, and, and myself and, and kids, um, you know, learn, learn and take on something new and just share it with the world. And I just, I mean, I, I think that we all have, uh, so much to gain from that. Just, just you know, it's important to share yourself. I feel like, especially in my you know younger years, I was very reticent to do that. Um, music was the only way. And I think that you know, as I've gotten older and and seen so much, um, it's it you know, it's never too late to do that. So that's it, Eve. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, I think. I I guess for me, more than anything, um, I think as women, you know, I know I said this before, we try to take on too much because we want, uh, or not too much, but we take on so much as working women and mothers and musicians trying to balance it all, you know, trying to uh, make everything work and then, and then getting down on ourselves when it doesn't or when, you know, life seems to be chaotic or whatever. Um, the the one thing I have to say that I have learned between the time back then when I was in Manhole as to where I am now, which is like a totally different place. Um, I think that I have to remember, and uh, or at least I do this more often now, to be kind to myself, you know, and it's okay to screw up. And it's okay if I can't juggle these 10 things that I started off with this morning. You know, I have to be okay with not doing it all, to not being everything to everybody all the time. Um, um, that, that is a huge thing that the, the biggest advice I could, I could give to any woman, you know, just be yourself and be okay with being yourself and, that's more important than anything else because, like, once you're okay with that, everything else will follow suit. Things will happen in their own time. And I just noticed that um, I was at one point when I was a manhole, I was really sick, and I didn't know it. Um, and it, it was a lot of mental and physical uh, stress, but that I, was, I kept sleeping under the rug. And so uh, now, you know, now that I, because I took a long break from being a musician, I remarried and I sort of tried to do something else. And uh, now that I'm back into music, I feel like everything just flows so much easier because, you know, if I can do it, 
you know, I guess I'm in a headspace where, you know, I'm okay with um, not with not being able to do it sometimes or not being able to handle all the things that I used to want to handle being a musician back in the day with manhole, you know. So we we as women, we have to remember to be kind to ourselves, to give ourselves time to take a break, to spend time with our children and love them and read to them and, you know, and go soak in a hot tub every once in a while or do some yoga or whatever, not try to squeeze everything into into the day because um, that will just wreck your health. And I never want to be in that place again. So <laughs> that's pretty much my advice. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week. 